0: Matt, I have very uncomfortable question for you. Ukraine is second cherry?
1: Ukraine, second cherry, of course.
0: Yes, good. Hello, and welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. I'm Monty And I'm Matt. <laughs> and as you may have guessed, we are doing Ukraine this week.
1: Yeah, we're, um, Yeah, that little reenactment was from the national final this year. If you didn't know, then you'll, you'll go back and watch it, you'll we'll find out. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we
0: <laughs> might just come mention that, <laughs> yes. But first of all, um, Matt, do you want to know my secret? What is your, <laughs> what is your secret? This is our last weekly episode. It is. Yes. We've decided to cap at 16 songs for this year's competition. Uh, And this is our 16th country. So Ukraine is our final second cherry that we're going to be choosing this year.
1: Now, obviously, there are countries that we've missed out who had national finals, who had good national finals, but we've taken decisions as a team that we do need to cap this because truthfully we just need to be getting on the live show at the moment <laughs> but um but you know so we but we are going to do a bit of a wash up episode where we're going to look at other national finals and songs and so yeah we're not going to completely
0: forget everyone yes absolutely we are going to have a little look at what didn't make it because there are some gems that didn't quite make the cut uh, and some countries that had some interesting songs but just not didn't we didn't feel as a team they kind of lived up to you know enough to put into the competition mm. this year and we have to keep the competition quite tight and uh, you know we've got a, a lot to do on the night and you've got a lot to do by voting and so we will be opening the voting in a couple of weeks uh, when we do that wash up episode so we'll give people the chance to hear all of the songs and then you'll be able to vote but of course you only know 15 of the songs at the moment and we are about to reveal the 16th to you in this episode.
1: So before we do that, then we're going to go through Ukraine's past at Eurovision and look at some of the songs.
0: Yes, we are. Yes. So Ukraine, they use a, a format called Vidbir to select their songs. This year, there were two semi semi-finals on the 19th and 16th of Feb, and then a final on the 23rd And the Palaz Kulturi. Uh, they Palace of Culture in Kyiv. Um, they were long shows, mm. the the national final shows. There's quite a lot of gossip and chitter-chatter, uh, and about 15 minutes between each of the songs. Uh, and uh, we're going to come to that format uh, in a moment. So first, we're going to have a look back at Ukraine's history. Now, for a relatively young country, Eurovision, they've made quite a mark. They've only been in it since 2003, so what, 16 years? Um, and they've sat a couple of those years out, including um, this year as it happens. But they've had two winners. They've had two second places and a third. So, you know, not S- bad.
1: Some great songs there. Considering have, the amount of time they've been in Eurovision compared to other countries, so really, it's a concentration of pretty
0: slick numbers. I think so. And um, with the thing that unites those two wins is there's a, there's a political element to both of them. <laughs> not necessarily... To the songs, but to the the artists, certainly. So Ruslana, who won in 2004 with Wild Dancers, which I have to say, I love that song. I saw Ruslana, she did uh, an interval appearance in the Maltese final that year. Uh, performing another one of her songs called, I think it was Ozaglani Muzikanti. And it was in a very similar style. And I just was like, wow, if she does anything like that, she is going to win Eurovision. And so I had a bet on Ukraine before the song was released and got it at 28 to 1. Wow. So I got 280 quid back for my tenor. Blimey. Yeah, and that's about the biggest win I've ever had. Yeah. I, everything else has been tiny. I know people win like mega bucks on the bookies at Eurovision, but no, that was my biggest win. Well, I couldn't.
1: I, I won Bulgaria in 2016. Uh, Polly, she won me, I think, about £150.
0: Pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Think, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, don't go with my tips, folks. <laughs> never really good. Uh, but yeah, she Ruslan. the political connection with her actually came in the year between her winning and Ukraine hosting because the Orange Revolution happened and she was quite a figurehead of that.
1: Yeah, because there's a story of her like being on stage and just performing like for like 24 hours something or something. Like, she's a proper yeah, like, trooper. Yeah, that one.
0: she never gets off the stage once you get on. <laughs> uh, and... Um, the and Jabata, of course, where with her um song nineteen forty four. I it's it's an arguably political theme. It's also a very personal history theme, and I think that's kind of how she got away with it. But it was the start of really what's become in recent years a more inflamed tension between Russia and Ukraine that's been um you know obviously happening in real life with the invasion of the Crimea and um, you know various other conflicts between the two countries but it's been played out in microcosm on the Eurovision mm. stage as well or at the periphery of the Eurovision stage because sometimes it's about playing your card to not go to Eurovision. Yeah. To, so it's and they've figuring, both done that as absolutely. well. Absolutely. And I mean, it's so much so that there's an entire Wikipedia page now devoted to Ukraine and Russia relations at Eurovision. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it's it's interesting. I think I, part of me thinks, oh, just stop being silly buggers. But then part of me you know knowing the kind of the mentality of how countries in that region act in the history with the soviet union and everything part of me is kind of like it's just it's being done in such a ridiculous way that i can't help but quite enjoy it it's it's the reason why
1: we tune in to say you know like serial dramas you know there's going to be a story mm-hmm. you don't know at what point. You know, this point this year, it was right at the start and, you know, or it could be when they've even selected a song and an artist and they're about to go to your region and then they're not going to go. So I, I don't know how I feel about it because sometimes I feel, oh, it's a little bit interesting Mm -hmm. and other times I feel like you're playing with people's lives a bit. You know, Yulia in 2016.
0: Two thousand seventeen. Seventeen, oh, so because it was, was in Ukraine, so yeah, yes. so
1: two thousand seventeen, yeah, and I just felt like it was just all a bit that it tipped the balance. For me. I was mm-hmm. like it was like a bit much. Yeah, but you know, who are we to say these are two countries with their own uh, mm-hmm. ideologies? <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I mean, the, you know, the, the rivalry or the the way it's been played out now isn't how it's always been. You know, the countries have supported each other. And traditionally, artists who are known in Ukraine would be known in Russia and vice versa. And there's quite a lot of crossover in the market. And obviously, I mean, you know, there's a load of Russians living in Ukraine and a load of Ukrainians living in Russia. You know, so culturally, I think Mm. these, um, you know, these ties are less, these divisions are, are less divided if you if that makes sense. I think that, you know, the ties are stronger culturally than politically. But back to the history. I mean, I think for me, you know, Ukraine really took off quite early. I, I mean, the, when Rus- when when they hosted after Ruslana, they had a kind of another political themed song um, that they had to turn down, which wasn't really of any interest. But then in Athens the following year, they came back with... Um, Uh, Show Me Your Love by Tina Carroll, or Tina Lieberman, as she is actually known. Uh, Tina Carroll. And that just, like, it was just a riot on stage. And had that, like, great dancing and that enormous note that she held in the middle of it. It was just a joy. Um, But I think what they're probably most known for is um, the song The Year After, which came second, almost one. Um, verka Saduchka Lash Dancing Lasha Atumbai Verka the Drag Queen Who says that the Eastern Europeans don't like drag?
1: Well, yeah But it's, uh, it's definitely within a barrier uh, It's definitely within a certain sort of bracket, isn't it? Yeah type of drag <laughs> But yeah, you know, probably, yeah You're right Probably the most famous Ukraine song I mean, certainly from the UK perspective mm. And I know, you know, I've seen it in American films been played in American films. So mm-hmm. it's, it's reached Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> um, so-
0: Vecca Soduchka in Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fair play to Verka. She's made a great um, career out of that. You know, I mean, I don't know what her career is like in Ukraine, but you know I mean, she's got a great connection. People like to see her at Eurovision. Yeah, so. but I
1: think it's, it is very much seen as a character because obviously, mm-hmm. um, I, saw, I don't know the guy's name, but the, the guy who's- he was, he Yeah, so he's obviously a, a panellist. Mm-hmm. on Vidbeer Selection Show. So not Asperger, obviously. So mm-hmm. there is like this acceptance of him, mm-hmm. but maybe the character is seen as a character.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, I I just want to mention that Lashatumbai, of course, was, was interpreted to mean actually Russia goodbye, and it was some nonsense words that <laughs> just sounded like it. And when I was looking this up, I found a new word. I found that this is an example of something called a mondegreen, And a mondegreen is when you mishear or misinterpret a phrase because it's a near homonym to what's uh, being said. It sounds very similar. But you, it takes on a whole new meaning. So, Lashatumbai is said, but "Russia goodbye" is heard. So that's the uh, the thing. And the Mondegreen, apparently, is a term uh, which was coined by a writer called Sylvia Wright. Uh, and uh, she said that as a girl, she misheard the lyrics to a Scottish ballad, which the lyrics were, and laid him on the green, as, and lady Mondegreen. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's a fabulous little story.
1: There's so much of that as well with in Eurovision, because we mishear... Lyrics all the time, especially sometimes
0: deliberately so, Jody yeah. and I. <laughs> for filthy pursuits. Yeah, I, I just love that though. A, a mondegreen when you when you mishear something and it takes on a new meaning. I feel like I'm doing that. um What's that? That that Giles Brandreth and Susie Dent podcast with all the words in? Oh I yeah, like they do like a, that. Yeah. <laughs> which is fabulous. Actually, it's called something rhymes to purple. If you like words. Check that out with uh, Giles Brand and Susie Dent. Absolutely brilliant podcast. But Werke sort of heralded uh, a kind of a string of quite great songs. We had Annie Lorach, the year after with Shavy Lady. I would have preferred that to win over Dima Balan any day.
1: But I, th- yeah, well, absolutely. But I think, you know, there was a split vote going on there because you had one of my favourites, uh, Kelly Kelly. <laughs> Which was a similar sort of perf- performance, isn't it? Sarusha. Sarusha. Yeah. So, kind of, you know, this woman, dress, big, sort of bouncy number, uh, lots of attitude. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think they split the vote a bit, mm. so I think maybe Annie missed out a bit there. Yeah,
0: shame. Um, and 2009 was just, I mean, one of the, the biggest shows we've ever seen at Eurovision. She showed <laughs> her house. I mean, literally her house. She mortgaged her house to put that stage show oh on, my God. apparently. Um, three rotating hamster wheels, yep. and gladiators and her being whisked across the stage on a moving drum kit and whirled around and I mean coming same time it? Yeah and coming like what 12th or something. Mm. <laughs> Bless her. There was a cracking moment though. Um, we, it was followed up by, I mean a strange song called "Sweet People by Alyosha," which I just didn't really rate at all. Um, and Alyosha, it was that time when it just seemed as though people won the national final and then the songs got changed. Mm. Apparently the songs she won with had already been released, so this was um, allowed to be changed instead. And I just don't really, I find that a little bit unfair on the voting public. Um, I mean, fair, you know, maybe the next artist should have been given a chance instead. But anyway... Um, I'm going to skip to 2012. Gaetana, being my guest, was one of my favourites. I mean, she just filled that stage. And I, it was just such a joy um, to watch that.
1: Yeah, it was fun, wasn't it?
0: Yeah. And then their third place came the following year with uh, their Yevich with their uh, Gravity.
1: One of my favourite songs, actually, Ukraine. I have to say, odd start to the performance yeah. giant of a man, bless him. Carries her onto the stage Plops her down on a little pedestal Stump thing Then wanders off Never to be seen again.
0: <laughs> it had a kind of sort of like you know woodland theme going on. Didn't yeah, it? Um, apparently they were trying to do a three D version of it where they had sort of like you know birds flying out and you know things flying around the screens. And there is on YouTube a performance that she's done somewhere else where they got that effect, um, and it is amazing. Oh, nice. It would have looked stunning at Eurovision um, if they'd managed to uh, to pull that off. But um, talking of hamster wheels. <laughs> The famous, <laughs> the famous one <laughs> after the famous three um, was uh, Maria Yaremchuk uh, with TikTok. TikTok, <laughs> yes. The following year, a, a terrible song I thought, but actually made quite palatable by putting a man in a hamster wheel. Yeah,
1: there's it. something about it that works, but um, not the best song.
0: <laughs> no, not at all. So, of course, they they, they took a year out then because of the the political crisis that was happening in Ukraine. Um, And when they came back in 2016, they won it with Jamala and became the first Eastern European country to win twice, actually. Wow. Yeah. They had a rock band the following year, or Torvald. Didn't really do it for me. I know a lot of people did kind of like the sort of the authenticity of it, but yeah not really working for me. But then the last song they sent was Melovine and Under the Ladder. And I just want to highlight this because for me, it's that example of the theatricality of what Ukraine can bring to the stage. You know, Melovine was elevated as if he was risen from a coffin um, and, you know, playing his piano, which then, you know, the flames engulfed him. He came out of the piano. He came out of the yeah. piano, yeah. yeah. I, got, I was lucky
1: enough to get a backstage tour with a friend of mine. We went to the props area because he had accreditation for props area. And it was incredible walking around. And I saw the piano and you could see like the inner workings of how it worked. The little sort of like brace that brought him up out
0: of it. And it's like... You must have been tempted to go and have a light out it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there is
1: a... I have got like um, a boomerang of me doing like the kitty waving oh, for Netta's thing. Uh, but, but remember, that was the year that there was no LEDs apart from Germany. There was no LG, LEDs. So um, everybody had to bring their A game when it comes yeah. to staging and props. So that was probably the best year to go to the props area because <laughs> it was
0: all props. <laughs> but Ukraine can do this. I mean, yeah. Ukraine can turn on the staging Um, You know, they they really can um, polish that proverbial turd. Not that most of the songs have been turds, but, you know, even so, they've still had a bit of extra polish (laughs) and a bit of a rolling glitter as well. (laughs) So that's a quick uh, history of uh, Ukraine. Um, We're going to move on to this year's uh, Ukrainian final. So the Beer, as we mentioned, was held in February, panellists, as we've already hinted at one, Andriy Danilko, who plays um, uh, Verka Saduchka, Jamala, more of her in a minute, and Yevhen Filatov, who was the creator of Anuka, who was the Interval Act in 2017. Mm -hmm. They were all on the panel. The panel sort of became, they they, they had a starring role in the end. Didn't they? <laughs> didn't they just? Absolutely. And that's probably where I think it's best for us to start. Now, obviously, Ukraine is in second cherry this year, although Ukraine wasn't in Eurovision. Um, and that's because the song that won, Maruv, with Siren Song, then didn't go to Eurovision. She declined. So let's talk about Maruv's song, first of all. How mm-hmm. did you find it? Or should we play a bit of it? Yeah, let's let's play a bit. Let's play a bit. Yeah!
1: For me, it was my favourite song of the year, of the national final season of Eurovision. That's a big statement. Yeah, it was. I love the song. I love the performance. I love the, the sort of her attitude, her vocal. Vocally, it's a bit different. You don't, the way that she she uses her voice. I I love it.
0: Absolutely love it. I'm going to make that statement even bigger and say it was my favourite song of the entire year as well. Wow. It's just, for me, this is a Eurovision winner that didn't happen. Um, It's a song that I think would have walked it.
1: To win Eurovision?
0: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There was just something about, there was some something so contemporary about the song. It sounded very now. Um, It had sass. It had, Balls! It had, you know, just an amazing presentation on the stage. There's this kind of sort of you know, lesbian chic going on, mm. um, a, a sort of a queer aesthetic, and I think it's you know that is the kind of thing that often it's presented to us through a male gaze, and I think there is a slight element of male gaze here. There is. But there's also this feeling that Maruve as a performer is completely in charge of what she's doing. And I think that makes it much more palatable um, to see um, something like this on stage. The dancers are really powerful. They start in the final performance, they're all in a bath at the, the start. They then kind of, you know, they 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 crawl around in a very sort of it's it is a very sexualized it's sex presentation. Sex on stage. Totally. Um, and there's that amazing move when they lie down and she she's thrusting her leg out mm-hmm. and they're all behind her in it almost like a human centipede type yeah. setup. Um quite, so
1: it's quite phallic in a way, because it's kind of like this shooting gun and the mm-hmm. songs come back. There there's there so many layers to this, I think.
0: Absolutely. I mean I just absolutely loved it. Um, and so did many people. It got a, such a buzz, and I think when it was when it won the vid beer. People were really thrilled that this was going to go to Eurovision. Yeah. But that's not the full story. During the vidbeer, there was a very controversial moment where Jamala, one of the panelists, well, we paraphrased the question <laughs> on no? dramatic rendition. <laughs> on the star. Um, you know, basically sort of, you know, putting her on the stage in a mock um, press conference situation. I think that's what she was trying to do. She trying yeah. to go like, you know, imagine that, you know, this is, you're there in Tel Aviv and this is the kind of the awkward question that you get from the press conference. Um, you know, just, uh, but it just felt really, it felt very pointed, you know, saying, you know, so is Ukraine, is Crimea Ukrainian? or You know, and you know, the poor girl's on the spot. She looked know? very uncomfortable. She was so she? uncomfortable. But she, I think she pretty.
1: Gave the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, she gave the answer Javala was looking for. <laughs> yeah. It was so weird. It was. And I, I, you know, there's stuff that goes on behind the scenes. You know this. And it was already in the water supply about how she had performed in Crimea or she had Russian dates um, coming mm-hmm. up. Yeah. In the lead up to Eurovision, there was this story brewing that you could, if you were following it, you could feel was a about to
0: spill over. And it's absolutely spilled over indeed. So it was actually announced during the broadcast by the broadcaster that they had reserved the right to change the decision of the final if they wanted to. Wow. So the performers are all singing there. They're all competing. And as they're competing, they find out that the winner might not be the winner. So that's strange for a start. Then, of course, this incident happened. And then um, after she won. Murray claimed that she was handed this contract, which sort of tied her hands so much. So she had some upcoming concerts in Russia. You know, as we were mentioning, these artists are known in different countries. And she's basically told, you know, you can't have those concerts. You can't, um, you know, you've got, you've got to sign this contract. Mm. You've got to do what we ask. And also, we're not going to pay for you to go to Tel Aviv. Yeah. Um, we're not going to give you any money. We're not going to pay for you. So they weren't putting
1: anything into it, nothing. really. And were penalising her for the way that she behaved, or she had to behave a certain way. Mm-hmm. Very, very restrictive contract. The news came out actually that it, she was. It was a delay in signing the contract. And mm-hmm. as soon as that came out, everyone was like, "Oh god, yeah. here we go." But yeah, I, I, I mean, really, really. I mean, not to take sides or anything like this. Nobody in their right mind would have signed that contract, and nobody did sign that contract because it consequently was offered to second and third place and beyond. Nobody took that contract. And in a way, I think that was the plan
0: all along. Oh, so you think that Ukraine were planning not to send anybody at all?
1: Not that that was the plan and they need, you know, they're going to make this happen or not happen, as so to speak. But kind of like, you know, shrug, like, if we don't go, we don't go. Oh, but okay. if we are gonna go, it's gonna be a hundred percent on our terms. So maybe that's that's why that played out like that. But I, I don't feel like it was like, well, y m is not going, let's we'll take second place. Oh let's take third place. They knew what they were doing. They you know they're not morons. You know, they know what they're doing. So
0: Well, I mean what they were doing was throwing away Eurovision victory. As far as I'm concerned. Is, was that part of it? Was that part no. of that we can't host this <laughs> damn thing again? But... There are some people who would not have liked to go back. I would have loved Oh, one. I would have, because I missed it last time. Oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so that's what played out. So, you know, Maruf turned the contract down. So did the second place artist. So did the third place artist. So the broadcaster just went, well, we're not going to go at all. And they withdrew completely which of course is an unusual thing so we've got a song selected for Eurovision it's the song that won international final would not normally be eligible for second cherry because it's gone to Eurovision mm. and competed but of course Marouf hasn't gone to Eurovision and hasn't competed so, so what do we do monty well we've had to have a deliberation in the team as to whether we felt Marouf was eligible for second cherry or not and you'll find out at the end of the show. <laughs> Before we tell you that, we're going to have a look at some of the other songs that made up this year's Ukrainian Vidbir.
1: So we're going to start, we're going to go and run in running order of the final. However, we're going to deliver a song to you that didn't make the final. But first up is Houston by Brunettes Shoot Blondes. Mm-hmm. that down Houston, we have a problem, come get me out from under I've been playing my part so hard She's she to there, I wonder, sorry but I'm in the taxi talking from the taxi Monty, what do you reckon?
0: Well it's just an interesting little thing isn't it? I mean the song is the song's got this sort of super cool contemporary vibe to it. Not necessarily the kind of music I would normally go for, but I could see this having uh, an appeal to the more, you know, people who feel they're more kind of authentically into authentic music kind of thing than Eurovision. Um, So I can see it having a much broader shelf life. It's not the kind of song we would expect I guess stereotypically to be in Eurovision but what is a Eurovision song these days and I quite like that something like this is in the mix mm. in the national final and challenging the, the our preconceptions of what should or shouldn't be on the Eurovision stage um, I think the, the, the what was going on on stage was really quite interesting they had this kind of one man band piano um, and they were played by two men actually but it was like a piano that was rigged up that had Different bits along the keyboards, and in the sort of the body of the grand piano, where you would lift the lid, there was like cymbals and drums and violins, and some of them set up in kind of like an automated way to play. Um, it just look, it was it really kind of sort of drew your attention into what what on earth this contraption was.
1: If I had a song that was a bit bland and samey. <laughs> that is exactly what I would do I would make it visually I forgot the song I totally forgot the song but I make it was a visual sort of feast really
0: I remembered one of the lines of the song oh, at yeah. the start where he says I'm done this is my Brexit <laughs> I mean I, it would have been quite interesting to see Could we've got Brexit there at Eurovision oh god not deemed too, too political it's not a brand name is it uh, yeah I don't know hmm. maybe it's just a descriptive term but yeah interesting lyric yeah
1: yeah, so I I, I I really thought it was a good entry. I mean, it wouldn't have done much at Eurovision, but a good entry for the, you know, I like a good Glockenspiel. So. <laughs>
0: okay, next up is Casca with Apart.
1: slash clarinet alert <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like this song this um, vocally quite average I have to say not the strongest voice but performed well if you know so vocally not so good but the actual performance itself was quite good um, again interesting mix of instruments on stage here just yeah a real
0: interesting entry the yeah I love a bit of ethnicity so do I. <laughs> on the Eurovision stage in the D. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah, I, I like sort of the folky influence that this had. and I, I, I mean, I, we've used the word interesting quite a lot, but I've got that written down. So the melody was interesting. It wasn't kind of, it was slightly unusual, but kind of melodic at the same time the backing vocalists were wearing these sort of it was a cross between a sort of traditional clothing and a slight school uniform look but with a contemporary feel to it um, i thought and I, I just, it just yeah it added to the, the visuals of the presentation i'm not sure it was necessarily a good enough song to go to eurovision no. but it was a, it was a really it was a nice little diversion in the national final for me
1: yeah agreed So the next song is Cupidon by Freedom Jazz. seen a fair amount of this sort of female-led swing jazz in the national final this year and a number of countries have had this sort of entry none of them made it to Eurovision but I just like this three-piece harmony female quite tight harmony as well it's not easy to do I think you've got to give credit for people that they were moving about stage I mean one of them was pregnant heavily pregnant Mm -hmm. You know, just, I think it's very, very competent singers doing what they do, and they enjoyed it, and I enjoyed it. Not, wouldn't have less enjoyed it if it went to Eurovision, but I think, again, for a national final song,
0: good, really good song. One of the singers was very heavily pregnant, in fact, in the semi-final the week before, um, her... Uh pregnancy was even more pronounced what she was wearing sort of emphasised um, that her pregnancy and she looked as though she was about to draw yeah. uh, in the um, final they changed the performance changed the costumes, so it was disguised a little bit more with his big bow um, and all the, the, the dancers were wearing these bows um, actually one of them was wearing her it looked like her dress was going to slip down at one point she sort of giving a good high cut. she did there was an instrumental line going on it was an interesting presentation they were kind of in a you know, 1940s vibe, and they were sat in, like, one of those old biplanes mm. at the start. Um, and, I mean, I would love, you know, when you kind of stand on top of those biplanes, and, I mean, I'm terrified of heights, I couldn't do it without, but the, the idea when I was a kid, like, you know, used to really interest me to, to fly along on top of one of them. I, I liked this, it was fun. It's not the kind of music I would normally go for at all, mm. but it was really, really fun um, to have in this. Um, I'm glad it was there. yeah. So we're going to bring you one more song, and this is a song which was in the first semi-final and didn't make it through. And um, it actually came fourth, and only three, three songs from each uh, semi-final, um, qualified. So this is a song, um, by a group called Cheshire, and it's called Hate. I hate, hate.
1: So, Monty, where the hell do we start with this? <laughs> now, we threw this in because, actually, it's possibly the most interesting song. No, I'm not, not saying so it. No, it is. It's very interesting. I, but because I can't work, what the fuck is going on with it? So, so okay.
0: I mean, if you cut this song in half it would have Roy Delaney written through <laughs> like a stick of rock because it's absolutely up his street for those kind of like curiosities that appear in the national finals. Um, it's really strange. In the final, um, the singer is dressed, you think she's a small child, and she's sat there with a toy dressed in a similar outfit, and it turns out the band were all there, sort this orange with a little bobble hat on. Um, and she's sort of saying ABCs to start with, and then it gets to H without skipping over the G. Um, yeah. And then she's just, H is for hate, and then it launches into this song, which yeah. is a sort of a litany of all these things that she hates. It's weird. I mean, it, it, for me, it's like a school project
1: where you got together, you tried to be as, you know, ironic or, you know, as, as wacky, as, wacky as, as, as you can, and you're just trying way too hard to do that. But something about this I liked. The the they had a very specific dance movement, to and fro movement in time mm-hmm. of music. The camera followed suit as well. This was all put together quite well. Just absolute bananas. I can't work it out at all Total
0: bananas. and a real curveball as well mm. you know when it comes to kind of you know what song would you select this is a real curveball um, a, a, the, the list of things she hates is really interesting some of the things <laughs> that you you know you should hate like sexism but then she also hates democracy um, and then she hates um, patriotism. Uh, and then But then she gets to the fact, she well, I hate everything. And she uh, hates I Eurovision. I hate Eurovision. And then she I even hate this song. <laughs> so it's kind of kind of silly, silly irony. <laughs> but then there's a little interesting twist at the end because while, while the backing vocalists are going, hate, she's coming in, her hate's turned to help. So it goes from hate, hate. Hate, hey, hate, hate, help, hate, help, hate, help. Mm. And so it's a cry for help in the end. Yeah. So so having listed all of these things, she's actually going, actually I don't want to be hateful. Um, yeah. Really, really, really intriguing song. The kind of thing that Second Cherry lives for and the kind of thing that, you know, is the joy of watching some of these national finals, you know. You don't get something like this in Melody Festival and you know, you would this kind of thing would only come from somewhere, you know, around those kind of you know, the countries probably around the Baltics and in Eastern Europe where there's uh I don't know, it feels like when I was in Kiev I we I, I actually went to, couple of months before on a recce um i was invited through auga uk and the british council who wanted to sort of you know demystify some of the 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 myths you might have heard about ukraine or traveling there and for the tourists that were coming so we were invited we were shown around and met lots of things and we you know asked to come back and write some articles and disseminate that information back and while we were there we you know i got a sense of this being a country that was sort of brimming with optimism and brimming with creativity and brimming with that sense of you know lots of things can happen um in this younger generation that are growing up you know in a newly independent country they're not growing up under the shadow of the soviet union and i think that there seems to be this kind of sort of you know band of countries where this is there there's a you know, whereas I think when you get more to Western Europe, certainly in the UK, it feels you know we're a little bit jaded and you know we've not sort of had this kind of new identity of our country or new boldness of our of our nationality and our national pride um, for for generations. Mm. Um, well, we don't it,
1: nation brand no, through Eurovision like Ukraine absolutely, has done. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, not Paul Jordan. There, and his, yeah, his Paul thing. Jordan, yeah, I mean, I think that's a fascinating topic. That how these countries um, that are that are more newly independent, how they try, you know, Eurovision and hosting Eurovision and then participating in Eurovision is one of the ways that they put themselves on the map mm. against some of the more you know longer established uh, countries of the contest and of Europe um, as a whole. And I think that's fascinating. So yeah, Cheshire ticked a lot of boxes for me, even though it batshit crazy. <laughs> so, there's four songs from the Vidbir plus Marov. What have we decided? Let's find out.
1: So, Monty, I'm going to give you the honors. Uh, who have we chosen to represent Ukraine?
0: Well, we decided that Maruf is eligible to be in Second Cherry. But has she made the cut? Yes, yes, she has. She has. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the worst kind of secret, of secret, really. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it was no competition. I mean, this is the very essence of giving a song a second chance. A song which absolutely should have been at Eurovision, Because it won the national final, but we didn't get to see it there. Um, I mean, I think she's, you know, fair play to her. She seems to have made good capital out of this. Um, You know, she's, um, you know, she's, she's her her career's taken off a bit. People are more aware of who she is. Um, And, I you know, fair play to her for for doing this. I mean, she hasn't got the, the platform that getting to and potentially winning Eurovision would have given her. But she's made the most of what she has. And I think if anything deserves a second chance this year, this is the one because it's a song that just all the buzz was about yeah. before the contest.
1: I have to say, you know, I thought about this at the start of this process. Me and Monty spoke about this um, and we said, I think we might pick Maru for Ukraine. Why wouldn't we? And then as the series has gone on, you know, I, I started thinking, I don't know, should we? Shouldn't we? But for the reasons that you just said, I think she does deserve a second chance. Yes, the song's been, you know, if you're a Eurovision fan and you've been following it all, you've been listening to this song for what seems like forever. But under this sort of umbrella of Second Cherry and giving people a second chance, I think we've made the right decision. I think we have as well.
0: But now, that's the end of our decision. The end of the team's influence in this whole process. The rest is over to you, our listeners and the audience that is attending the Royal Vauxhall Tavern on the 8th of Feb, uh, 8th of November, we <laughs> get the month right, the 8th of November at Eurofest, which will also feature Kino. Just, you know, you know. like you do. Yeah, they're, they're going <laughs> to come on after us. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we, we are hoping there might be some more tickets coming available. Keep an eye on Eurofest's social media, keep an eye on our social media, see if some more tickets are released, and for that we really hope there will be. But even if they're not, even if you can't come along, or you live miles away, you can still participate in the voting. Wherever you are in the world, you will be able to take part in the voting online, and we will be announcing that when we come back in two weeks' time. Uh, with a wash-up episode and we'll be announcing the opening of the voting in that episode.
1: So we've got so at the moment we've got a two-week break Mm -hmm. where we'll bring you that wash-up episode and details of the vote in but do keep an eye out on our socials which are
0: at Second second Cherry on Twitter at Second underscore Cherry on Instagram and Second Cherry Podcast on Facebook.
1: And check out our website because we're going to have details of the vote in there. That's probably where it's going to be housed. Um, and also all of the songs that we've selected for the whole of our inaugural season series of Second Cherry, pod, the podcast. And um, email us. And what's our email address?
0: Hello! hello. <laughs> at
1: secondcherry.vision. That's hello at secondcherry.vision.
0: And the website is secondcherry.vision. Obvs. Yeah. so we hope you've enjoyed listening to our weekly episodes we hope uh, you're not too distraught Bob uh, in the fact that we're not going to be here for next week um, but yeah 16, 16 lovely cherries plucked for you
1: now the hard work starts yeah so that leads us to say goodbye but not completely goodbye at
0: the moment no we'll see you in two weeks and then we'll be telling you how you can vote
1: see you then see
0: you bye, bye.